Well, one of my favorite shows uh, on television is Antiques Roadshow. Uh, if you haven't seen it, Antiques Roadshow is a program where ordinary people bring their antique uh, treasures, their vintage treasures, to a team of antique experts for appraisal. Uh, they might bring a family heirloom, uh, might be something they found in the attic, or perhaps it's something that they found at a garage sale. And most of the time, the uh, antiques that they bring turn out to be completely worthless. But sometimes, just sometimes, somebody brings a painting or a sculpture or a vase, and uh, it's worth far more than they expected. Like the man who brought his grandfather's uh, pocket watch for valuation. This was a Swiss-made Patek Philippe, a watch made in 1914, and the valuers on the show uh, valued it at $250,000. Uh, he took it to auction, and in fact, it sold for $1.54 million. And uh, that was three or four years ago. Apparently, today, it's worth even more, closer to $3 million. Imagine finding that little one in your drawers. Well, then there was a school librarian who um, took a job at a school, and on her desk was a, a curious little sculpture. And so she wondered what it was worth. She took it to Antiques Roadshow and uh, turned out to be a Barbara Hepworth sculpture, sculpture worth $981,000. Uh, the school couldn't even afford the insurance premium on the sculpture, and so they donated it to a museum. There is something alluring about the idea of finding hidden treasure, especially if it was right there all along and you just needed the right set of eyes to see how valuable it was. Well, for the next eight weeks or so, we are starting a sermon series all about finding the hidden treasure in Jesus' words. And I hope we'll see what was there all the way along, but that we'll see it with fresh eyes. And that we'll see how valuable Jesus' words and his ideas are for, our, uh, for each of us. So I actually hope that each of us will find hidden treasure. So I want to pray that God would help us to see with fresh eyes today. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open our eyes as we read your Bible today. I think we would open our ears as we hear you speak and that we would find the hidden treasures in Jesus' words. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are picking up the Gospel of Matthew at chapter 13. Uh, if you've been with us for a while, you know that we've been working our way through this account of the life and death of Jesus uh, on and off for the last two years. And the reason we keep coming back to this book is because it gives us a chance to see Jesus for ourselves. Uh, we get to be a part of the crowd following Jesus, uh, but we also get to be part of the disciples and their private uh, audience with Jesus. We get to uh, go behind the scenes and hear with the disciples what Jesus told his closest followers. It really is a chance to experience Jesus firsthand, uh, to experience his teaching firsthand, and to experience his life-changing power firsthand. So I hope you enjoy as we dig into Matthew chapter 13 to 16, Hidden Treasures. Well, Matthew 13 starts with a large crowd following Jesus. In fact, it was such a large crowd that there was no room for Jesus to stand, and so he had to step onto a boat uh, on the Sea of Galilee to address the crowd. Now, it wasn't unusual for Jesus to have uh, big crowds following him. In the previous chapters, we'd seen all of the people from Galilee flocking out to see him, uh, to hear his teaching, uh, to be healed of their illnesses. Jesus had performed miracle after miracle, and the people were amazed by him. 
On this day, however, Jesus wasn't in the mood for miracles. He had a message, and it was a message with a hidden meaning, a message for those who have ears to hear, a message for those who are listening out for the truth. This is what Jesus said. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, when the sun came up, the uh, plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears... Let him hear, Jesus said. Matthew 13, 3 to 9. You can imagine Jesus out on the boat, uh, looking into the crowds on the shore. Uh, Perhaps behind the crowds, there was an actual farmer in his field sowing seeds. Uh, Perhaps Jesus used this example because every person in the crowd could relate to the idea of scattering seeds and uh, seeing some grow and some seed struggle. But Jesus wasn't just teaching a lesson in agricultural management. His parable had a deeper meaning, a hidden treasure meaning for those who have ears to hear. That's how parable works, how parables work. There's a, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's a relatable example that reveals hidden truth, a message for those searching for more. Socrates famously said, the unexamined life is not worth living. Well, as humans, we all search for meaning, whether we do it deliberately or not. Some search for meaning in spirituality, but others search for meaning through achievement or through their work or through relationships, perhaps through celebrity. We all search for meaning, whether we do it deliberately or not. The question is, how many of us actually find our ultimate meaning? Quite sincerely, I ask you to consider the question for yourself. Have you found your meaning and purpose in life? Because I think that many people at the side of the lake that day, they were searching. They were searching for meaning. And if I read Jesus correctly, he's telling them that they've been searching in the wrong place. Listen to what Jesus says, verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. They do not hear or understand. So Jesus says that lots of people saw him and listened to him, but somehow the words never sunk in. They never understood the deeper truth about Jesus. They followed him and they heard him teach and they watched him perform miracles, but somehow they still didn't recognize Jesus for who he was. Or perhaps they didn't want to recognize Jesus. Because if Jesus is who he says he is, then we need to respond to him, don't we? We all search for meaning, and sometimes the answer is right in front of us. We just don't want to look there because we've spent our life creating meaning apart from God. The Bible actually tells us that 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 is how we all are by nature, at least as sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. We don't want God in our lives. And so we close our eyes and and, and we cover our ears when he calls out to us. You know, like children ignore their parents, you know, and the kid says, I'm not listening, I'm not listening. I didn't grow up in a Christian home and none of my family are believers and nor were any of my friends really until I was in the ninth grade and my friend James started going to church. He went along to our local church 
and he said to me, you should come. I politely de declined. And the next week he asked me again, you should come along to the church. Well, my answer was the same. And for the better part of a year, James asked me along to church every single week. And I spent that year saying no to my friend James and no to God. You see, I didn't want God in my life, but clearly God wanted me. And so one day I said yes, and my life has never been the same since. You see, I thought I knew what Jesus was all about. I, I thought I knew what Christianity was all about. I thought I could see the truth, but you know what? I had my hands over my eyes the whole time. I was blind until God opened my eyes. The disciples came to Jesus and asked, why do you speak in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. See, Jesus' parables, they reveal the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' teaching reveals the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And if you have ears to hear, if you search for meaning in the right place, Jesus will open your eyes to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, just like he opened them for the disciples there, just like he revealed it to me, and just like he revealed it to anybody who comes searching. As Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you, Matthew 7, verse 7. So what is the hidden treasure meaning in Jesus' parable about the sower and the seeds? By the way, this is probably the most complex parable in the Bible. Most of the other ones are very simple. Jesus tells us straight away what the meaning is. Uh, this one was so difficult that even the disciples didn't understand. Jesus had to take them aside afterwards to explain it to them. So to remember, this parable is all about seed sown on four types of soil. Some seed fell on the path, and it was snatched up by birds. Other seed fell on rocky soil where it grew, but it died quickly because there wasn't much soil and it dried out. And other seed fell amongst thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked out the seeds. And still other seed fell on good soil, and that, that was the soil that produced a big crop, 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown, a massive harvest. So this is how Jesus explains the parable. Listen then to what the sower, or the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Well, the parable is all about how people respond to Jesus and particularly how they respond to his teaching about the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus, he's the sower, and the seed is the, uh, the message that he preaches about the kingdom of heaven. And the soil represents each person's response to the gospel message. So the first soil, the first type of person is those who hear the message, but it means nothing to them. They don't let it sink in. They never take it to heart. And so the message is like ski, a seed scattered on a hard pathway. It's never going to grow there. And birds will come and eat it up. Jesus says, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. It's interesting that Jesus wasn't afraid to talk about the evil one, or the devil, or Satan. He reminds us that there is a spiritual battle going on for our souls, and the enemy is always waiting, ready to snatch the truth away, especially when we have a hard heart towards God. See, even amongst the crowd following Jesus, there were some, if not many, who would walk away that day completely unchanged. 
despite hearing the message from the sower himself, they had no interest in the kingdom of heaven and no intention of making a commitment to Jesus. Uh, Even the best preacher in history had no effect on them. Jesus, I'm sure, was the best preacher in history. And even he couldn't change their hearts. Jesus himself says their hearts were calloused in verse 15. As we replant this church and as we sow seeds in the Napa Valley and beyond, uh, we shouldn't be surprised that some of the people we talk to uh, and invite along to church that they show no interest in Jesus. It won't stop us praying for them and it won't stop us sowing seeds in their lives. But some people's hearts are like a hard pathway. We need to accept that and keep on sowing. Well, that brings us to the second type of person, verse 20. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Matthew 13, 20 to 21. Um, I've had the privilege of sharing the gospel with thousands of people over the last 25 years or so. And there is nothing sweeter than when somebody decides to give their life to Jesus and they understand the gospel, they pray the prayer, they get involved in church and uh, they talk the talk. But sometimes, just sometimes, as suddenly as that person appeared, they're gone from church and their faith shrivels up like a helium balloon the day after a party. And soon enough, they no longer identify as a Christian. It's one of the most perplexing parts of the Christian life. And if you've been around church long enough, you will have seen it for yourself. This is what happens when a person fails to put down solid roots in the faith. Maybe they they never really got committed to coming to church regularly. Maybe they never grew in the faith. They didn't read the Bible. Maybe they didn't join a group where they could discuss what faith was like. They, They couldn't discuss things more deeply. Maybe they never learned to pray. And whatever it was, this soil represents a person whose faith is shallow. It lacks depth. It doesn't stand up to the pressures of being a Christian in this secular world. And so when any kind of trouble comes along, they quit because they haven't developed the resources to cope with the challenge. Now, there's a Christian commentator called Warren Wearsby. He says that the parables are like mirrors. They're mirrors that we hold up and we see ourselves in the parables. And so actually, if you see yourself in either of the soils so far, if if you're the person who uh, the seed has just bounced off you like the seed on a hard path, or if you're somebody who's had a try at Christianity but you really haven't got any depth, then uh, I want you to uh, realize you've actually found hidden treasure. It's better to find this out now while you've still got time to do something about it than to find out later. Because if you've been hard-hearted towards God or, you know, if your faith is too shallow, at least now you have time to cultivate the soil and to make changes. Well, the same goes if you are the third type of soil. The seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Matthew 13, verse 22 I was really excited to see blackberries when I first moved here almost two years ago along the side of the vineyards. All of these blackberry bushes are back in Australia. We have blackberries too, but they are an invasive species. They grow really well in the arid soil and the birds carry the seeds everywhere. And what that means is in the bushland around where we lived, you would find great big blackberry brambles. They end up full of thorns. They overtake 
uh, thickets and riverbanks, and uh, they kill everything underneath them. And so in Australia, most of the time, the, the councils and the, and the governments and the farmers, they spray poison all over them, and it means you can't eat the berries. Blackberries take over wherever they grow. And Jesus says that for many of us, our lives are full of thorny messes that have taken over our lives. They choke out our faith and our fruitfulness. Perhaps it's a career that's all-consuming. Uh, perhaps it's your business or your studies. Uh, perhaps it's your children or your grandchildren that consume all of your waking hours or their extracurricular activities. Perhaps, perhaps you have a passion project that's a really good thing to do. But in fact, it leaves no room for your faith to grow. So I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he said that the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth can choke the word, making it unfruitful. And I think this is actually the most dangerous type of soil to find ourselves in because it could happen to any of us. We can let our faith get crowded out by other interests. Uh, by speaking this parable, Jesus acknowledges that it happens. It happens probably more than we would like to. People get busy and they drift away. They drift away from God as they let other things become more important than Him. Uh, it's a real warning to those of us with crowded schedules. Well, the last response, this is the one that Jesus calls the good soil. But the, good, uh, sorry, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. Uh, this is the one who produces a crop, yielding uh, 100 or 60 or 30 times what was sown. Matthew 13, 23. I mean, the ultimate aim when you plant seed is for them to grow, isn't it? And nobody plants seeds hoping that they'll fail. Uh, plenty of us have planted seeds and uh, we didn't prepare the soil correctly. And you know that always leads to a disappointing crop. But when you have good soil and good sun and, and the right amount of water and the right fertilizers and compost, then you can expect your seeds to grow and to produce. And Jesus says if we're ready to listen to him, then his message will grow inside us and it will bring incredible change to our lives. Jesus will make our lives blossom and bloom and produce an incredible harvest if we prepare the soil of our hearts. So what does the good soil life look like? Well, that's part of the parable. It's part of the riddle. Jesus doesn't spoon feed us the answer. I think the abundant life will actually look different for each of us, depending on uh, where God has placed you and, and the gifts that he's given you individually. So for some, it might be speaking about Jesus to kings and emperors and rulers. I think that happened to Paul. He's ended up uh, all the way going to Rome to speak to the Roman emperor. Now, for others, it might be leading your family, leading their family in quiet godliness. For others, it might mean a full-time position in ministry or work as a missionary overseas. And still for others, it will be the work of living wholeheartedly for Christ in the workplace or the home, showing God's love in the everyday things. All of those life packages might yield a harvest of 30 or 60 or even 100 times what was sown. So the, the friend who invited me to church the first time, he was this quiet, unassuming guy. Um, he was a, a skinny guy, he was an AV guy, an AV nerd even we might say. But you know what, by the time we reached the 12th grade, he'd invited so many of his school friends to church um, that our 12th grade Bible study boys 
uh, we had to split from one group into two groups just to fit all of those new boys in. Something like 12 young men who came and had the chance to hear about Jesus. And do you know what? Some of them have gone on to great faith, are leading their families, are leading more people to Christ, leading their families in godliness and leading in their workplaces with integrity and faithfulness and love and mercy. All those fruits of the gospel that were sown in their lives as teenagers, well, they've blossomed and bloomed into what they've done for the rest of their lives. And then there was his invitation to me, his persistence in asking me along to, to, to meet Jesus. Well, this is where I've ended up, in another country, speaking about Jesus uh, over the internet. It's amazing. Exponential growth. Uh, that's what Jesus' words can do in our lives. Uh, it can create change and growth and movement and hope and love and grace in a way that you never could have imagined would happen in your life. It creates blessing. Listen to what Jesus says. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, Jesus says, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to hear what you see, but they did not see it. And to hear what you heard, but they did not hear it. See, the hope that Jesus spoke about it is something that people have longed to know since time began. The hidden meaning of life and contentment and purpose it's hidden treasure, and it's all there in the message that Jesus speaks for those who have ears to hear. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your hidden treasure, uh, for the meaning of life that you've shared with us, a meaning of life to follow Jesus and to, goodness me, we're going to start that prayer again. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have revealed the meaning of life to us. We pray, Father, that we would hear the message of Jesus, uh, that we would prepare the soil of our hearts to hear and to grow and to be changed. And we pray, Father, that your gospel would blossom in our lives as we uh, go out and share the hope of Jesus uh, with our families and in our workplaces and wherever we find ourselves. Father, as a church, may we be good soil and may we see a harvest of 30 or 60 or 100 times what we sow as we hold out the hope of Jesus in the Napa Valley and beyond. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.